0: This is John Trupin.
1: This is Kate
0: Prusen. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to They Might Be Mariners, Lookout Landing's prospects-focused podcast. My name is John Troopan, Deputy Managing Editor at LookoutLanding.com, and I am joined today by Prospects aficionado. Joe Doyle, Joe, how are you over there? Joe's calling in uh, from 2008, uh, so we'll be getting a slightly yeah, I'm calling, different. Tamper. Calling on my LG chocolate phone, <laughs> you guys. You guys it's are appreciating late. the audio
2: quality today. My microphone <laughs> decided not to work, so. Yep. Yeah. It's the finest of R- motor rods. to you by a ride. razor.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh we'll get you that Crazer upgrade next Thank week, you. I hope. Thank but, you. Uh, I gotta stop paying rent in a pop can. <laughs> uh on the uh on the other side we have Kate managing editor of Lookout Landing. Uh and the diligent farmer bringing you states of states of the farm let's
1: not let's not over I was a very lazy (laughs) terrible farmer Uh, uh, if this was a video game all my crops would have withered and died all my tamagotchis (laughs) would be guilting me haunting me with the ghost of their presence when the team is good it's hard to keep up with the farm It's, it's it's true it makes it, I we've not had to deal with this problem in a while. The good big league club is, I mean, usually by the second half of the season, I'm able to dip my toes in the cooling, soothing waters of the minors. And that just did not happen this year. So I don't know what, we're going to have to come up with a new division of labor for the future.
0: Yeah, we, we may be looking for, uh, for some more uh, stuff assistance, some more some more typing yeah. hands on deck there, if I'm being frank. But I will say, uh, it's the first year that I have been at Lookout Landing, and I assume for you as well, Kate, certainly for you, Joe, um, that the Mariners have had both a good Major League team and a good form system. It has Unbelievable. previously True been uh, one or the other. Really uh,
1: mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, so. Sometimes it was neither. Sometimes it was neither. That's true. That's, That's true. Yeah. That was, them's the worst. Yeah. Sometimes we were the Cubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, but today we have good farm system to talk about. Uh, as we are uh, in to, into playoff time, the Mariners are preparing for. I think it's fair to say the most important uh, off season that they've had since. I mean, I guess the 2018 to 2019 one arguably was uh, similarly important in that it started all of the the rebuilding process that we are now seeing the the fruits of. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to to get prepared for that and and what is coming uh, in in the process, we're going to finish out uh, our year in review uh, by looking at the upper minor leagues. Uh, and then we're also going to touch quickly on uh, the Arizona Fall League assignment. Where I will
1: be, I will go, I will yes, be there, and I can will have. Put, All right. clamp my eyes on these players in person. Very excited.
0: Yep, like a like a space alien. Uh, Kate will shoot out her eye <laughs> eye tentacles and latch them onto Luis, Luis Cervello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what in the hell?
1: Wow, it's
2: like two and a half minutes, and we're off the rails. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, and uh, John,
1: were, John and I were on the same, we had the same oh, yeah. image working oh, yeah. there exactly. I've already oh, talked to him, and he has a We're gonna, uh, I'm gonna talk to him while I'm down there. So, yeah, that should be fun. He's uh, fresh off a championship too. He and Robert Perez Jr. Since we're talking minors I think this is relevant. Ian Robert Perez Jr. helped lead Team Venezuela to an under know. twenty-three World Cup championship. The WBSC, which does like age divided levels, I think there's like an under fifteen, and then there's an under twenty-three, and then there's just the regular senior circuit. So anyway, uh, Venezuela took gold, and uh, Carvelo was a big part of that, pitched in relief, and Robert Perez, whose dad was the coach of the team. Uh, did what any good coach's son should do and was the best player on the team and bopped a bunch of home runs and kind of became a little bit of a I mean he was already a big deal in Venezuela because he's kind of like um royalty there, like baseball royalty because of who he who his dad is. But yeah, it was a I think that he's a prospect we're gonna be hearing a lot more about because he does have really big power. There's some swing and miss there, but just yeah. that skill set is one that tends to get a lot of attention in prospect
0: circles. Well, and he is also, if you're, a, especially if you're a Tacoma Rainiers uh, diehard, you got a small taste of Robert Perez Jr. Because I've sent him
1: up and down a couple of times.
0: Yeah, he he was up in 2019, early in the season, when they had, I think, a bunch of injuries or whatever happened. I don't know, but he, you know, he wasn't great but he held his own for a 19 year old who had we'll never played bond. above it you know who had literally never played outside of the complex um and yeah so and a lot uh, of
1: times they do of- those to reward player like they they give you that spot assignment if they as a way to say like hey we really like how you're progressing like maybe it's somebody who's a a foreign born player who's working really hard on their English showing a ton of maturity. they only mm. send you up to that level if they feel like it's something you can handle both physically and kind of mentally so mm-hmm. it's a good sign about where how the organization feels about him
0: yeah um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about those groups and we also want to uh, touch on something that will be. Uh, sort of referencing back to uh much of this winter but Joe you wrote up your top 50 Mariners prospects uh which we um uh, you know is a lot of players that we will be mentioning here but uh certainly I'd love to get a little bit of insight on on folks who uh may have placed higher than you know folks who have been big movers in yeah. particular you know obviously Julio Rodriguez He's very good. George Pretty Kirby. Good. He's very good. Uh, good. You know, he's very good. Uh, thank you, Felix. Um But, uh, you know, some, some interesting. But maybe
1: who are some, who are some big risers? Uh, yes. Who are some under the radar? Like Robert Perez. Like who are some yeah. guys that maybe yeah. people yeah. wouldn't have heard of? Yeah.
0: Or, yeah. you know, folks who we, we don't necessarily see as easily. So.
1: Milton uh, Perez. Speaking of all yeah, the Perez, Gabriel
0: Gonzalez. Yes. Um, so, Let's start uh, with the High Miners here. Uh, Let's start with the Arkansas Travelers. This was a group that started the year um, with a really the opposite of where they started 2019. I think it's fair to say, right? 2019, they began the season uh, and even more so finished the season uh, with – the arguably the best concentration of talent uh that the that the organization has ever put together uh in a minor league team and this year they they were a little bit more um fringy at a, lo- a rotation of a lot of guys who i think didn't have a ton of expectation um you know devin sweet um penn Murphy tyler herb uh you know, a lot of guys who perfectly reasonable players, uh, Adam Hill, but not necessarily ones who were the top level prospects. But by the end, and similarly on the offensive side, right? you know, they had uh, a pretty sort of an older roster, I think is fair to say. Kate, is is that a fair appraisal? It was, you know, Joe Rizzo was probably the youngest player on the roster um, yeah. for much of the year, and um, Connor
1: Leon. I mean, it was a lot of like uh, chaff.
0: We could say. Lot, yeah, That's yeah, a lot nice, of yeah. It well, but the, but it, but I think the, the 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 particular part also is there were a number of decent players, but all of them were um, almost all of them were older than you would want for the level, so not necessarily that many mm. prospects, right? You have Brian O'Keefe, catcher, hitting pretty well. He's 27, and he's been in A like a half dozen times uh, at this point. And he was up good. at the
1: big league club last year. I mean, he's yeah, he I was mean, just filling, just filling, filling in. Right, fill in, in.
0: Yeah, so um, much and of this. I think they
1: probably brought him back with the idea like, you'll fill in here at double for a little while until we're ready to move Cal Raleigh up and then we'll, we'll move you to Tacoma and you know, you'll get to live a slightly better life in triple yeah, a uh, rough that's life, rough, yeah. life r- rough life, yeah, rough life to be a quad a player.
0: Yeah. But you know, I mean, that's, that's what they did. And and he, you know, assuming that's the dynamic they had with him, he absolutely met, met the expectations there, which was good. Um, So, in terms of double-A performers, it really came in the second half. Uh, We had so many promotions from that Everett team. Julio Rodriguez, uh, Zach Deloach, um, Caden Polkovich, um, and then, I mean, Pat Frick, Jack Larson. a, A ton of players who came up from the lower minors were then contributors or at least taking significant time uh, and on the pitching side, even more significantly. Obviously you had Matt Brash, you had um, George Kirby, you had Brandon Williamson, you had uh, a little bit of Emerson Hancock. Um, So who, who I think, I think it's fair to say if we asked who stood out most pitching wise at double A, we would all have the same answer. But I still let's let's go through it because we've talked about him a bit, especially since he got called up. But can we can we go through the rise from where Matt Brash was at the start of this year to where Matt Brash ended up? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think we should go back even a year before that. When we, I guess not a year, but a year and a half ago, when we acquired Brash from San Diego for, for Taylor, Taylor Williams. Williams, Taylor Williams, Taylor Williams. Um, now
1: D- then DFA'd by San twice. Diego, then DFA'd by the Marlins. Ouch. Yeah, I Quite mean you early. got a
2: you got a top one hundred prospect for a guy that isn't in in the league.
1: I mean, There's he was not—he was not a top 100 prospect at the time. No, but that's a testament to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a testament to AJ Preller being a crazy man. Yeah. Uh, who just saw Taylor Williams as shiny, shiny K nine and ignored all the command problems that come with it and was like, I, I don't know Give if AJ that.
2: Preller understands what a death pen is. Like this, maybe the White Sox do. <laughs> I think they have different definitions of death pen, and Taylor Williams
0: is just—he's just
2: the death pen. part.
1: <laughs> I mean, um, I would I would give Taylor Williams a minor league deal and and try things out again. Because hell yeah! I mean, he's still constr-
2: he's controllable for like five years. I don't know why. I mean, someone's I mean, going to get the stuff. Him a job. The
1: stuff is very much there. Yeah, absolutely. i I mean, I wouldn't trust either Miami necessarily to be the people who could pull it out of him. But yes, if we're. If we're talking about an organizational win, like, it is absolutely... This is a clear-cut, won-the-trade kind of situation.
2: Yeah. I mean, when we got him, he was 93-94, to 94, touching 95, with a splitter and a slider. And he ditched the splitter for a more conventional change-up grip that seems like it's paying huge dividends. I mean, that pitch is pretty usable now. Um And then, of course you know, the fastball is up to a hundred. Um, the slider is one of the best breaking balls in minor league baseball. Uh, and now, now it's just a question of, is this kid a starter or is he a dynamic, you know, back of the back end of the bullpen reliever? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, Matt Brash is, is it's a, it's a bummer that we didn't get to see him at the end of the year. I mean, he was on the big league roster for four or five days. Um, but Beings that he was added to the 40 man roster, you kind of have to believe that Seattle is going to give him the opportunity to earn a rotation spot at the very in, in spring training or at worst, um, a bullpen spot right out of the gates because he's, I mean, he's over the hurdle. He's over the 40 man hurdle. So I, I'm really excited for Brash. He's, he's a really exciting arm.
0: What about uh, some of the other arms that are ended up on this roster? Obviously, Ooh, I
1: talk about Williamson because he hit was me. for me the most. Because for some reason, and we've joked about this every time yeah. I tuned in, Matt Brash was sucking. I mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I have bad. I pledge not to watch any Matt Brash when he actually does pitch for the Mariners because apparently I'm terrible luck. But <laughs> I just never saw him good. What I did saw, see was a lot of Brandon Williamson absolutely overwhelming double-A batters. And, you know, he he would have command slips sometimes and get into trouble and have to kind of work himself out. It is not an MLB-ready arm yet, I don't think. Um, but I would not... He's definitely the most advanced out of the big three, I guess, if we're counting Brash the big four, although I really think Brash is strictly a reliever. But... Um, the curveball is just super nasty and I really think will be a weapon against major league hitter. Like, his stuff looks, to me, the pitcher himself is not major league ready. Like, he's got maturing to do on the mound as far as, like, his command goes, as far as how he sequences and attacks. It's, like, 75% of the way there, I think. But the stuff is major league ready. Like, the fastball has rise, has run. Um, the curveball is disgusting, and we'll get a lot of really ugly swing and misses. We'll get the pitching ninja treatment the whole nine yards. So, um, he's the one I'm most excited about just because I love Brash, like he's really fun, um, but I do think it's maybe like a like a reliever type skill set. So as far as starters go, I'm excited about Williamson.
2: I did a lot of digging on Williamson when I did my top fifty prospects because I, his numbers are deceiving. Um, he really got hit hard by home runs at Double A. Uh, Eleven home runs in ninety eight innings, uh, not great, and and a lot of that came at the Double A level. But every other underlying statistic and like metric that you can look at for Brandon Williamson suggests that. He's probably one of the most underrated pitchers in minor league baseball. Uh, I noted really? in, in my yeah, I mean, I noted in in my uh, little write up here that his ks per nine were north of fourteen. And the only other pitchers in minor league baseball that were starters and got in ninety innings and posted a k per nine over fourteen were Grayson Rodriguez, who's a top twenty five prospect. yeah. Kyle Harrison, who's a top seventy five prospect by a lot of publications. Daniel Espino, another top seventy five prospect, and then Spencer Strider, who pitches for the Braves and pitched at five different levels, yeah, uh, I should say he pitched at four levels, but he skipped triple A this mm-hmm. season. <laughs> yeah so I mean, he pitched a ball high a, double a, and started a game for the Braves, um which is insane. I think if if everyone were to rewrite their top one hundred prospects right now, Strider would probably be on it. so that combined with, you know. 37.4% K rate this year. He was third in the organization in whiff rate uh, for starting pitchers. I think, you know, Kate, I, I I know you said that he's not quite there, but I think if you were to throw Brandon Williamson in the big league rotation right now, he would hold his own. Um, he would struggle like any starting pitcher rookie would, but I think he's a pretty good arm. I think he's just about ready. And he's one of the reasons why I'm almost wondering if Seattle will go out and acquire a controllable starting pitcher because if you if you kind of look at the way that their farm system shapes out and I know that you you cannot lean too heavily on prospects in terms of future success. The Braves have been really lucky with how they handled all their prospects and they're all panning out. But you got Marco, you got Logan Gilbert, you got Chris Flexen. You got to think that Brandon Williamson is going to pitch for him next year. And then you also have George Kirby and Emerson Hancock is a little bit behind those guys. And you have Matt Brash. I mean, that's eight legitimate starting pitchers that you could conceivably use in 2022. So you kind of look at those eight names and you wonder, okay, does Seattle need a starting pitcher with four years of control or do they need a Max Scherzer? Like, do they need a guy that can only pitch in 2022? maybe 2023 and kind of anchor a really young rotation you kind of look at like um like how the, what the braves have done with with charlie morton and what they did with cole hamels last year you know that might be the route that seattle needs to go because I, they've got a lot of young arms that are right on the precipice of breaking through and i think williamson is probably maybe outside of brash going to be the first one that we see
0: I will note as well with the Braves, right? I mean, it's taken a long time for those guys to get there. Uh, 100%. Like, yeah. And, and a lot of it, you know, Max Fried.
1: Are, Max Fried was like a, has been a prospect, has been an up and coming arm for like how long? And now I think he's kind of finally coming into his own.
0: Right.
2: I mean, yeah. And they moved it, guys too. Like, who did they? They moved uh, the guy with Texas that we shell. A lefty Colby Allard. They moved oh, Colby yeah. Allard. <laughs> mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. moved okay, Bryce Wilson, out. and then I don't
0: think they still well, have Kyle Flanders, Wright, who is not really quite a prospect. But I mean, yeah. But they had yeah. Had Mike Sirocca, Ian Anderson, Kyle Caroka Wright, broke. Gohara. Yeah, Kyle Wright and Kyle Gohara completely fell apart. Luis Gohara fell apart. Tuki Toussaint is not really great. Bring yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you make uh, became good, sport, good like, but they, I think, you know, like uh, Tucker handling. Davidson has not yet been quite there. Um what's his face? Uh there's the I mean, and they still yeah.
2: have guys like Spencer Strider and they have the kid from Wake mm-hmm. Forest, uh oh man, I can't remember his freaking name now, the lefty from Wake Forest last year that they took in the first round. Um uh, but yeah, I mean it's the Braves philosophy. They just keep getting arms and arms and arms and so like, if you look at Kirby and you look at Hancock and Williamson and Brash and, you know, all of these and Levi Stout and, you know, anybody that you want to throw in the mix for Seattle, you kind of can only bank on, like, two of them actually hitting uh, and, and, you know, being good big league starting pitchers. Um, so we'll see. But I am comfortable with Seattle not going out and getting, you know, not overpaying for, um I don't even know. Like Herman Marquez, it wasn't that very good this year. But my point is like Seattle doesn't need to go get that horse that's going to be at the top of their rotation for the next four years, in my opinion. They could they could really benefit from a from a Scherzer or a Verlander or um you know someone in that mold. A Kershaw, but I I I can't imagine Kershaw
0: leaving LA. Right. Well, and you're specifically also- saying, right, a shorter term but still yeah. high quality move. Really? And I, I, I agree on that very much so that you know, especially because that offers that higher ceiling of production, but also does still give them time to get in work and hopefully get production. Especially if that means that they are redirecting some more commitment to positions where they don't necessarily have that quality. You know sure, yeah. Um how about uh any any players? Well, I guess let, let's talk a little bit about um, Kirby and Hancock because we we addressed them like a little bit uh, in in past and and Joe, I know you still put a, both of them uh, in your uh, top ten. I believe both in the top five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Hancock's fifth yeah. here on your list, uh, and Kirby's second. Um, I think. We mentioned in our sort of risers and fallers article that Hancock, as much as anything, had a disappointing season, mainly just because of his health. Um, But, you know, and and that his production was fine when he was healthy and pitching, but it wasn't dominant. Yeah. Um, Uh, That's another thing that I really, that's, that's the thing that concerns me the
2: most about Hancock is conventionally you see a 2.62 era and you think okay this guy dominated every time he went out but hancock like he did not miss bats at all yeah i mean he wasn't even in the top 75 in the entire organization for swinging strike rate i mean like he didn't strike out nine per nine he struck out 8.66 per nine like um and, yeah, the shoulder fatigue, obviously, is something that, that has me a little bit concerned. But he's still a prototype righty that touched 98. You know, he was 95 to 97 on a number of occasions. Got, got a good feel for a slider and a changeup. But uh, for me, and I, I tweeted this after I pushed out my top 50, the, the gap between Hancock and Williamson is pretty small. And I was really close to putting Williamson above Hancock, but I figured, you know, Hancock has had a kind of a weird two years being drafted into a COVID organization. Like let's see what he does next year. He's a year younger than Williamson. And then we right. can kind of go from there, but uh, it's close. I mean, Williamson and Hancock are close.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, this is sort of an unfair comparison. Uh, I, I don't know how quite apt this comparison is. Only you know, in part because he's it's comparing to a, a high school pitcher. But I do think there are players like Dustin May whose stuff is top top notch, just on a you know base level velocity movement. You know the the eye. You know how it looks to the eye, but it doesn't necessarily. Move in a way that is so deceptive to hitters, at least in terms of making some level of contact, but that 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 can improve and that can be uh, learned and more important. I mean, frankly, it can still absolutely work. Um, It just might work in a different way than expected. Um, So I'm hopeful that that is, I guess, where we get to for uh, for hancock and really want to see a full year of health for him yeah i want to see hancock develop a
2: he doesn't seem to have a uh, an identity on the mound he, he's got the four seamer he's got the two seamer i think the two seamer is better personally yeah. uh he's got the curveball he's got the slider he's got the change up he, you know he doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason to when he uses which pitch, uh, uh, he's not necessarily a pitcher that tunnels right now. So, yeah, I think, uh, Hancock just needs to kind of figure out what his three pitches are. If I were him, I'd probably go two seam slider changeup. Um, but you know, that's for the Mariners player development system to, to figure out they got to find yeah. a way for him to miss more bats, especially if you're yeah. throwing 98 with yeah. deal for three secondaries.
0: Yeah. Because that's the thing—is he does, you know, he when he's at his best, or even just on the mound, he's generally able to fill the zone and and put the put, you know put put, put, up. put pitches where he wants them. It just, uh, you know, those pitches can be can be a little better than they. I were. I just
1: want to say, like, I think you have to factor in his experience here. It is really a difficult ask after being drafted in a COVID year. Not being able to get right into games. Having had that shortened college season, too, he didn't even get to have a full year there. So he just missed a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. And the jump to double-A... I was talking to Logan Gilbert about this and what the hardest thing for him about going to double-A was. And he was like, it was just the hitcher. The biggest thing that stood out to him was the hitter's selectivity. It was like, it, things that used to be tempting to batters at high A were not tempting to these batters and he had to adjust and figure things out. And I think that Hancock is doing that too, working with much less experience than Logan Gilbert had when he was doing the same thing. So that could be part of the. story. And one one other thing thing to point
2: out is just like over his first five or six starts at at Everett this year, the team was instructing him to throw 90% fastballs. I mean, they were working on his arm strength and they were working on you know, getting him up to speed. So he wasn't necessarily working to miss bats as much as he was just, you know, I guess clocking in and clocking out type of thing. That's a good so point.
0: We'll see. That's a good point. Um, well, George Kirby also had a, I don't know exactly what you call it. Abbreviated season. Uh, and in a season interrupted, uh, season comma interrupted. Um, but, It was a lot more, uh, encouraging. I, at least in my, my viewings, uh, everything that I saw from George Kirby, even with the almost seemingly scheduled month off, like he had some sort of semi injury, but it didn't really, it seemed like it almost was like, we're just going to manage his health I don't know, maybe you have some more insight, either of the two of you, on on his July, his sort of July off. But in between those levels, he was dominant at high A and absolutely dominant uh, at double A as well. Um, You know, not unbelievable bat-missing, but good bat-missing stuff. And getting grounders, which is sort of a, t- a fun and interesting combo, especially for a guy who I think his fastball is primarily four seam. So yeah. it does strike me that he's getting more grounders on his off speed. Um, but, uh, you know, when you're sitting 96 now, sitting 96, 97, uh, I think you're going to be okay. Well, yeah, that is his secondaries are just so much
2: like if you watch Kirby pitch and you watch Hancock pitch, it's just night and day. I mean, the yeah. curveball is dynamic and it's got bite and it's got depth and it tunnels the fastball really well that he can he can command at the top of the zone. And, um, you know, he can work the slider and he can work the change up in. He's got the intrinsic, you know. Freddie Peralta, Logan Gilbert, extension numbers. Um, he's got some deception in a kind of a weird 2017, 2018 Jameson Tyon type of delivery. Knock on wood, he's going to stay healthy. Um, George Kirby just looks the part. He looks the part of a big league, you know, number one, number two uh, pitcher, and it's it's just all starting to come together. He just needs to stay healthy. I think we're going to see him in 2022. I think we're going to see him towards the end of the year. We'll see.
0: I would love to see Kirby next year. Basically, exactly. uh, All of the stuff seems just about on the money. And I just want to see... A little, I my hope is that the goal for him next year is yep, we want you to do the exact same stuff and we want you to go six innings every night, (laughs) right? Like that, that presumably that has to be the goal. Um, because I mean, with him and with Williamson, it was a lot of four to you know, four to five inning starts. Um, and for both those two, I'm really encouraged that they are taking longer. Uh, you know, bigger and bigger strides in terms of stuff. And the fact that they were, you know, most of Seattle's pitching prospects were relatively healthy this year is an immense positive considering how many pitching prospects league-wide yes, saw I was major say, injuries.
1: I've been doing the Cubs uh, comments for the Baseball Prospectus Annual for this year and just the number of times both pitching and position players that I've written yeah. up, You know, he missed X amount of time with a flexor tendon strain. He missed X amount of time, missed the whole season with a Mm -hmm. shoulder labrum tear. Like, Mm -hmm. we are really remarkably – I don't know if that's just the Cubs, but – No, I
0: mean, I think at least to having gone through a few systems, I think you're absolutely – that is a representative experience. And so, yes, you know, we can lament Hancock having this sort of lingering shoulder – trouble that he's still trying to work through or whatever, but you know, on the whole, whether no doubt part of a good chunk of it is luck, but also the Mariners were really, really deliberate with how much they let their pitchers pitch. And it was absolutely frustrating for me as someone who wanted to see more, but I, if it means that next year, these guys are able to be healthier and that all of this year, you know, so many of these guys were able to be okay. I I think it was the right move. Yeah. Um, Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, Is there anyone else that you guys want to hit on with the travelers? Obviously, you know, in the bullpen, there was uh, a number of sort of more interesting uh, depth players. We had, um, guys like Dyson Arias got some time who, uh, will be heading to the AFL. Uh, we saw Ray Kerr coming in, hitting triple digits as a lefty, um, and Nick Duron, Colin Kober. Um, but, uh, Darren Gillies also made his triumphant return and Levi was, Stout, uh, Levi Stout, Levi Stout as well. Yes. Levi Stout was solid. Um, so you know, it, it, it was a little hard uh, to tell, at least on for me, um, what what we're expecting to stick longer term um, in the bullpen group. But I I was encouraged to see uh, that next I year question. I think yeah would 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 you
2: guys protect Ray Kerr? Because they've had the chance to protect him in the past.
1: Yeah, but now he's at AAA, and he seems to have gotten the walks problem a little bit more well in hand. He's exactly the kind of arm that gets taken in the Rule 5, so I would not be surprised if they protected him.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think Seattle's closer to a Rule 5 40-man crunch than people think, though. And I'm not just talking about the fringy, like, you know. The the Sam Haggerty's, the Dylan Moore's, the Aaron oh, yeah. Fletcher's, like, I think Seattle's got some prospects coming up this year and next year that need to be protected that, you know, I think it's something to watch.
0: I think Brandon I, Williamson has to be protected, doesn't he? Is he 2018? Uh, he and Williams or Williamson and um, no, he was 19. Was... Yeah, he's okay. I was going to say, he was he was narrowly missed. Um,
2: Actually, next year is the year. Yeah, I mean, so, like, after next season, Seattle has to protect, yeah, they have to protect Kirby. They have to protect Williamson. They have to protect Stout. Uh, they have to protect Julio, who will probably be up already. Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, the list one ten is a guy that you know his forty man spot might be up in the air. Uh, so yeah, I just think like I I think they're going to protect Raker, but I don't think it's
0: a shoe in My inclination, I know we've gone back and forth on this, is that they have a lot of people who they can get off of the forty man, even though they do need. They do have a crunch. I think it is a genuine crunch. I think there are a lot of people who would not necessarily uh, be claimed or at least would not. would be very replaceable that are currently on their 40 man. So um, I do. I think I would add Kerr, though I might trade him instead because I don't. I think he is a player who a different – it's hard for me to see them calling Ray Kerr, what point they call Ray Kerr up next year um, unless he is in AAA and continuing to really show well. But another team, I think, could very easily start him, so I think – Tr- trading him in some fashion that functionally is Rule Five, you know, letting him be Rule five but letting another team jump the line. That might be the that might be the way. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys that are gonna
2: uh, like. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just looking at this list and yeah, Aaron Fletcher, Joey Gerber, Darren McCakin, Wyatt Mills, you know, <laughs> L.J. Newsome, Mark Dvetches. There's a Ryan Weber Like I think you're gonna see. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of guys a lot yeah. of these fringe guys are going to have to unfortunately be well, left and
0: I mean out even to dry in AAA. They've got a bunch of people, right? They've got Marcus Wilson, they've got Kevin Padlo, they've got <laughs> Jose Godoy. They've, you know, like there's yeah. there's just, there's just I can't a lot see those of guys Rashad surviving
2: for sure. the 40 man. Like I just I don't think they're going to be extended a contract, especially if Seattle intends on signing free agents or making trades. And I know that those DFA's could come later, but, like, you look at you know, you look at Jake Bowers and you just wonder, is he going to make it to February? You know? Because if they find his replacement, um, he's, like, I, I just, I, um, I think Jake Bowers is going to be a great competitor next spring, mm. but if they were doing him a favor, they would, you know, n- non-tender him. Right. Personally, Uh, they probably won't do that because it's a business. But I just don't see any conceivable way that Jake Bowers is with the organization on March first.
1: Oh, we say these things. We always say these things.
2: It would take catastrophic. I mean, it would take. I guess this has all happened before, but Mm -hmm. it would take. Mm -hmm. It would take Seattle breaking camp with uh, Jake Fraley hurt, Kyle Lewis hurt, extremely possible, extremely possible. Sam Haggerty probably would need to be hurt. Okay. I mean, you, you, I have you have described you
0: have described you two people who <laughs> are not going to likely be ready for a and a yeah. dude who has never had a season without at least two lower body injuries. I guess in I Traley. just feel
2: I guess I just feel bad for Jake Bowers because I do like parts of his game, but he's sure <laughs> he's he's such a. Uh, like the fourth hottest girl at school, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> well, he's he is the he is a bench bat who they would a platoon bench bat who they wouldn't start against right handed pitchers yeah. who can't with play no center options. field with no options. Yeah. So he either has to be a starter or, or he I don't think it makes sense to have him. So I could what I will say is I think it's plausible that he. Makes it to March because if they kept him this long, I think they must have adjustments that they want him to try and make. Oh and yeah, like stop pulling the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, because you know, there is a talented player in there and he's got a lot of traits that you could like. But And the the idea of having him have a whole winter to work on it instead of just trying to adjust it during the season. I'm not beholden to that. I'm not going to cry a tear if and when they DFA him. But, you know, when he and Ryan Weber are DFA'd, you know, along with (laughs) 10 other people again on this roster, it's really rough.
1: And there are going to be so many. I mean, it always comes in waves, right? Like teams kind of time it up so they all do all their releasing at once. Like usually it's kind of right up to that deadline for adding people yeah yeah so i mean the market is just flooded and it's like yeah maybe a team would claim any of these guys that we've talked about yeah maybe they're they would easily claim the hundreds of other guys exactly like these guys who you know you you never know because other teams are operating with a roster crunch too so I'm I'm more firmly than ever. I think Ray Kerr is a surprise add to the roster this year because I think he was really close and he did not do badly at Tacoma. I was really surprised. I was pulling for him. Uh, that's a very difficult environment to pitch in, and I was really impressed with the strides he's taken as far as his command goes.
2: And I is another one like that. Is like, do you add him to the forty man roster and? kind of prepare yourself for cataclysmic injuries <laughs> in the bullpen, right? Because there's so many guys ahead of him. You just kind of, I don't know, you wonder whether or not he's going to get a shot. And if you really question if he's going to get a shot, do you give him a 40-man spot or do you risk it? I kind of like John's idea of, you know, move him to Pittsburgh for a 19-year-old catcher. <laughs> yeah. Go get uh, Carter Bins back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um we're sort of talking about them in a dismissive but uh roundabout way but is there anyone that you kate you have lamented and and i think for many folks this is a very deserved um uh, ding on us but we did not, I think, extend as much coverage to the Tacoma Rainiers as we would have liked.
1: Are we not going to talk about Arkansas's offense at all?
0: We did. We talked about the – Oh well, I guess yeah. We, we should did start. not
1: talk about their offense no, at weird. all, not That's even weird. a little bit. That's and right. I went I and I pulled up the park factors and everything that. All right, hit me. The updated hit me. No, park you, no. factors.
0: All you're you're absolutely right. Because I was excited because we we often hand wave talking about Julio Rodriguez, and I know there's more than that, but.
1: No, you promised me. You lured me burn. into this I podcast did. with I the did. promise of I Julio lead. talk.
0: Yes. You hit me with this, the uh,
1: I, okay. No, I'm gonna hit you with the with the updated park factors because okay. Baseball America just published this. Okay. So where 100 is average, <laughs> Amarillo leads the league at 127. Uh, no, so 20,
0: no. You're just saying overall offensive production, right? Like run uh, production.
1: I I mean that their park is 27 p- points more favorable for offensive creation. Okay. Cool. Runs created. Run,
0: runs created. That's yeah. That's what I was trying to get at.
1: Yes, uh, Arkansas is seventy eight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> is
1: ten lower than the next closest, which is San Antonio. So, um, just to kind of reinforce, like this is something we already knew. Um, for home runs, again, Amarillo leading the pack at one sixty nine. Nice. A
0: uh, oh, long time. Or previously the Padres, now the Diamondbacks, right? Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. And Arkansas is 58. So quite a swing. Yeah. Um, coming it from... Is- actually, Midland is 59, which I'm surprised by, and San Antonio is 64. So definitely there are parks that play pretty tough. We've talked about them being pitching positive environments, which is why I do like hold up a little at Brandon Williamson's numbers and especially those home runs because mm-hmm. there there's maybe something underlying there that isn't as rosy as the numbers suggest because he's yeah. giving up homers in a pretty, in a park where it's pretty hard to give them up. But also I think you do have to kind of balance uh, all the Arkansas hitter production with the the park. And we always talk about the park factors. I'm always like, but you know, here's here are the, the, the numbers, Supporting that it is Extremely hard to hit and it is extremely Hard to hit for power and it is extremely Hard to be a right handed Power hitter at Arkansas All of which is leading into Julio talk
2: (laughs) See we weren't We weren't luring it was coming
1: (laughs) It was lure lure. I had to set it up I had to like build out that whole Ramp so I could put my little Julio Hot wheel at the top and push it down (laughs)
0: All right, well, vroom, gonna vroom, gonna okay. All
1: the work. Vroom, vroom. What Julio did is even more impressive. That was basically just a big, big buildup to say, like, Julio can literally hit anywhere. And I'm so excited
2: for when he's a mariner. Opening day.
1: I, I think there's a chance. I mean, I really think there's a chance. If he goes out and has a huge spring, what is he? I mean. Which really
2: makes me cycle back to poor Jake Bowers.
1: <laughs> yeah no. yeah I do, I do not have room in my heart for Jake Bauer's sympathy. The, Sorry to that man.
0: the way they're talking about Julio opening day is definitely different than the way they were talking about Kelnik opening day. oh one a
2: hundred percent. It's they're but, talking about Julio like all he really has to do is prove it right. They like, say, yeah if, they if said, he hits three yeah. 50, if he hits three fifteen and slugs four, you know four fifteen, four twenty like
0: he's going to be on the opening day roster yeah they 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 said i believe the quote was we're not going to stand in his way which <laughs> I don't know if they could Did have they? stood in Jared Kellnick's way anymore. It was, you know, Jerry Depoto and well, Julio's Kevin got Lather. 30 pounds on Kellner. It's, it. yeah, it's yeah, really
2: hard to stand in, a, in
0: Julio's way. The I'm fucking Julio's Fellowship away. of the Ring standing, you know, of the front office just making a wall uh, uh, in front of Kellnick. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, no, that is it is a different vibe. I do, I mean, I do really wonder if this is all leading up to. And we've been talking with Julio's agent. Yeah, we are going to announce a big extension. And oh, yeah, he's ready. He's got just as much time in double A as Kelnick had, but we think he's good. The, the mean, Olympics, man. They're you mean, know, like triple A, but like... On steroids. I, yeah, uh, Which, you know, I mean, all of this is like, probably he is ready and or at least he's their best, you know, left field, whatever, outfield option. But, come on, y'all. You know, the idea that he will be ready after this winter, whereas he was not ready a month ago when they had no right-handed hitting left fielders is a little bit annoying. And that's, that is, and they were like, yeah, we would. And, and DePoto straight up said, if we had the old you know, the old September call up rosters, we would have called him up. It's like, okay, well right now you have Jake Bowers and Dylan Moore on your roster, neither of whom apparently can hit right now. What if apparently? You, oh, and you have <laughs> Wyatt Mills and Johan Ramirez and Matt Brash and you will only pitch Johan Ramirez, apparently. And you, Eric Swanson. Yeah, Eric Swanson, who disappeared, like fell in a hole, Uh, you know, <laughs> just was like his his little tufts of blonde hair were sticking up out of the savannah somewhere. Um, yeah, hey, man, I mean, they
2: played a critical role in the... Band aid that was Tyler Anderson. Okay, everyone got to play. You know, Except Matt Brash. (laughs) Except Matt Brash.
0: Yeah. I, Brush. you know, and you know, all of that is like conditional. Like, obviously it made sense that they had a bigger bullpen because if any of their pitchers had had a bad start, they needed the big bullpen and only Tyler Anderson had bad starts. So that um, just was like once a week down the stretch. Cause they were like, eh, we're done with you say Kikuchi. Uh, but I anyways. honestly feel like uh,
1: they could not, ha- the front office could not have scripted the end of this season any better and maybe they did um because they put themselves exactly where they wanted to be like contending yeah. adjacent but not really contending in a year that they weren't expected to contend mm-hmm. so making enough noise to get people excited they are primed mm-hmm. for a huge splash announcement which i think is much more likely to be an a contract extension for Julio who people are duly excited about you know they right. brought him up to accept the award I think like the tide of excitement about Mariner's baseball is turning
2: mm-hmm. and they
1: see Julio as the face. He is literally going to be the face of the franchise. Yeah. Because yeah.
2: And it'll be immediate.
1: He's uber marketable in a way that bless you, Jared is yeah. not. I mean, I think Jared, I, I personally, like, I think Jared is very smart, like much smarter and more well-spoken than I ever gave him credit for. Like his little video at the end of the season you know, he's just speaking. He seems to be getting a little bit more
2: comfortable with I think the, so. everything I mean, that comes along. But here's, I, I know the point that you're trying to make, and it's that it does not come naturally for him. And it's also not nearly as easy perso- to like.
1: Yeah, Jared. it's his personality. He's just, Jared is fine. Jared is totally fine. But Julio is a shining star. I mean, he is an international superstar. Who's going to bring a ton of attention? His skill set is different too. It is it is a superstar skill set. I mean, he's just Jared he's the slash. is
2: a he's a totally fine Jay Bunner to Ken Griffey Junior.'s <laughs> organization.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's or even an I, I, I I'd let Jared be an Edgar. Edgar I'll never got Jared mad at Edward. Dana's life. <laughs> I think Edgar was very good at not showing people when he got mad. and that right? is something that I think Edgar was very Jared good at learn. not
2: showing people any emotion.
1: I mean, Edgar smashed a boombox. Haven't you heard that story? Edgar was mad about the volume and the quality of music being played after kind of a tough day at the dish for him. And he picked up a boombox in the clubhouse and threw it down and smashed it. So... Don't tell me, Edgar King, get mad because uh, they're all competitors. and,
0: well,
2: and Edgar, I, think I, don't I don't sure was
1: just really good at hiding it. I
2: smashed I've smashed many a PlayStation it's- controller, and people <laughs> think I'm dead inside.
1: <laughs> they a hard day at the
2: plate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> day at the yeah. plate in MLB the show. <laughs> yes. Who's, who's, who hasn't been there? Wh- wh- with or us not? Yes. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I feel like we are, I, I agree with you, John. I feel like we're leading up to if they can get the, de- I I think that that is what they're ferociously working away on right now is dealing with Julio's representation and trying to get some kind of a big, flashy thing that they can announce Sell all the Julio jerseys. Call them up on opening day. Pack that park out, and just the brand new snatch the mantle of Seattle sports attention away from the Seahawks in this town for the, for this year at least.
2: The brand new, hopefully, the brand new jerseys uh, with the yeah, brand hope, new ideally colors and. And you know they do have
1: they do have the Kraken to kind of hold hold at bay, but it was it was money off
0: the Kraken, so they you know they they make money off the
1: Kraken. Yeah, exactly. They they have an interest in the Kraken being uh, you know brand partnership or whatever. I was down
2: at uh, the stadiums last night, and uh, I went to a concert down there, uh, and they have a bunch of brand new banners uh, at T-Mobile Park, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is anything, but they are. Those banners are leaning hard, hard, hard into the teal. They,
0: oh, northwest, northwest,
2: northwest, 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 uh, northwest green, northwest green, northwest please, green, northwest
0: green, northwest green, northwest green. Please, Kevin Martinez. Sorry, it's <laughs> don't northwest come green. To us. I don't slit <laughs> don't, don't, don't me- don't our means throats anything. in the night, Kevin. <laughs> please,
1: we're just a. Sm- He's so nice until you call <laughs> it teal instead it's of northwest green. The quiet
0: knife. Kevin was. <laughs> Kevin was
2: awfully quick to tweet about Northwest Green at every chance he possibly had this year. And now there's Northwest Green uh signage all over the outside of the stadium. And so I'm just wondering like are we going to see are we going to see the Northwest Green jerseys become the primaries or you know, are we going to do a total rebrand and just lean a little bit heavier into Northwest Green, but I think it's it's time and that's kind of weird to say because I like the white jerseys and I like the gray jerseys and I even like the navy jerseys when you use the northwest green brim. I do not like the Sunday creams. Those those got old really fast for me. But I do think it would behoove the organization to do a little bit of a re-splash walking into a new era of Mariners baseball as they would like it to be perceived.
1: Yeah, I think that that's very logical because you have Katie Griggs at the helm now. We know she's overseen... A huge jersey, or I'm sorry, they call them kits in soccer. A yep. kit redesign that was uh, controversial. From Atlanta at the time.
0: is my kit. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, exactly. That's probably exactly how the people in Atlanta spoke about it, John. Um, what a anyway, crossover! You have, you have her. You have kind of this exciting end to the season buzz about Mariners baseball in a way there hasn't been before. Poto saying they're going to splash money around. Just buzz, buzz, buzz. I think it's definitely uh, possible that when we see Julio coming out uh, to announce the new contract extension, he will be in some kind of New Jersey look. I think that's all very possible. Casting off the ghosts of the old Mariners for once and for all, which is what we, uh, which is, you know, what, that's what the prospects are here to do, right? They're here to, oh, maybe Julio and Jared modeling them together. Like they did with the Sunday Creams, you know, when they had the little fashion show.
2: Yeah, those Sunday Creams were sweet for a year, and then I just, I, I'm, I think I'm in the minority. I do not like them.
0: I like them. them, I just, I think they, they can do more, and I, I, I can would do like more, a more with old colors. Yeah, I like a either Northwest Green focused or a more like, I guess you don't want to like straight up just have. The Brewers color scheme, but like, cause like I do love the like blue and the like yellow goldish like combo that they, yeah, the older, you know like looking like a sea captain's you know uniform kind of look.
2: Put it on white or gray though. I think the off white Kanye thing that they were going for <laughs> kind of sucks.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I I'm I know we we had a little conversation and I I think. We've moved past the need for gray jerseys. Like, th- we don't, we have synthetic dies now. You know, it's not fucking, it's not, we're not in rationing times in the pre-World <laughs> War period where, you know, you you needed to crush 80,000 snails that you personally harvested <laughs> to get the color purple. Like, that we can, most, mean, not that I want him to be purple, to be clear, but I I do. That is
2: the most graphic thing I've ever heard John <laughs> that say. how like,
1: 80,000 They, they, weren't, they weren't playing baseball in the 1600s, John. These weren't like uh, Trappist monks <laughs> doing this. It yeah. was washing machines. John's out here
2: like they in order to they make it. They made a Jock Peterson jersey by gutting fifty no. million silkworms.
1: They <laughs> couldn't like wash the jerseys that often, and so the road ones were great to hide dirt. Doesn't everyone know this?
0: Uh, okay, well, even more to the point, I did not know that. But even more to the <laughs> point, hey, <laughs> that's not an issue that's anymore. We can anymore. wash War and cold. <laughs>
1: You Nothing know? anymore. Your point uh,
0: stands. It was just oddly made. No, it's a, but that's, that is genuinely very interesting. I did not know that. That makes most. I mean, it, I figured it, you know, it was a, it's a reasonable limitation for, you know, the pre, uh, you know, uh, multi-motor vehicle era. But, um, it's, uh, I feel like we're, we're progressed. We are we're, we're making some moves. Uh, And that can be one of them. Um, Is there anything else that you guys want to address offensively with Arkansas or even specifically, actually, some things on Julio's game? Because I think in the Tacoma group, it was a very solid lineup, right? We had a ton of veterans um, you know, obviously Jose Marmalejos, now free agent, led the league in, you know, hitting and also just was maybe one of the best hitters in minor league baseball. Um, obviously, Cal Raleigh, we saw plenty of Donovan Walton and Dylan Thomas and Taylor Trammell all had like fine seasons. And I think Tremel being 23 is young enough that, you know, okay. First, first crack at AAA. a, we're not, you know, he's got time to get better if, if they are willing to give it to him. Um, but I think, right. I mean, Julio is going to leapfrog that entire roster. On, he's going to leapfrog. He might leapfrog every big league outfielder.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> aside from Jared. Like, if he outplays yeah. Kyle Lewis, Julio's yeah. gonna be the outfielder.
0: Um, I want, I want to, I want to make a sort of go through a list here because I know we all obviously have our our we we're very Mariners. We have a good amount of Mariners expertise, I think it would be fair to say, and we we have a heavy degree of focus on um on Seattle's system so we have a good depth of knowledge and i think a lot of people presumably who are uh listening to uh to this have that as well but i i want to um look in particular just at a number of other uh teams top tier outfield prospects because i think it, it's important to recognize Julio is incredible. And also there are a lot of very good outfield prospects in MLB right now, um, who had similarly exceptional years, right? Riley Green with Detroit is basically the same age. She's like a tick older than Julio, but went all the way up to AAA. Um, you know, Corbin Carroll, who is with Arizona, busted his shoulder up, but is extremely good Brennan Davis. Kate, I know we were talking before we started recording about Brennan Davis. He's a year older, um, but is a, a similarly, uh, exceptional hitter with, with tons of size and probably a little more true center fielder. Um, do you guys, what is it that you guys feel separates Julio, uh, from some of the other top, top, top tier Uh, outfield prospects?
2: Well, um, for starters, he had a better average exit velo and a better max exit velo than any of those guys that were listed. So he's a year younger, and he's already hitting the ball much harder than any of them. I think he's just as good a runner as Riley Green. Maybe not quite as Brennan Davis, but you just, there's nothing in Julio's game at this point that is, is worrisome. Like his contact rates, even though Jim, what's his ass thinks that Julio still needs Alice? to work on. Yeah. No, no. not Jim Callis. Uh, uh Duke for the no. athletic. Uh, oh, the no. guy God, from the Duquette. athletic. Oh, Bowden. Uh,
0: Bowden. Yeah. Even though Jim. Uh, the, thinks can't
2: hit.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> crimes <laughs> man.
2: Yeah. I'm just going to call him Jim. What's his, what's his ass for now on? It, it's Callis. cathartic. Uh, Julio doesn't have a problem with swing and miss. He doesn't have a problem with strikeouts. He has, a you
1: know, that was really such a strong a narrative rate. that got started after he was in Liedom, and I blame Fangraphs for it primarily. Yeah, they probably like, for Eric. Yeah, yeah, because they were like, without watching those games every day, I think, or without being there in person, just were like, oh, he struck out a bunch in Liedom. Yeah, he did because he's facing guys, literally ten and fifteen years older than him. Like
2: cool- Julio's whiff rate goes up 4% on the first pitch of an at-bat, and his whiff rate after the first pitch of an at-bat goes down 3% from his average. So clearly, he's just like trying to ambush dudes. He does yeah. not have an issue with swing and miss. And his overall whiff rate is above average, like, ab- like better than where you need it to be. It's like well, 26% or something like that.
0: That also strikes me, right? I mean, that is a un, an understanding of what he what his skill set is because he is such a powerful hitter and such a you know capable hitter that, that not only is he rightly saying i'm going to try and get this best pitch to hit right out the gate and crush it but he has the ability to adjust if he falls into a hole and still come out of it of like okay I missed that first pitch now I'm going to work to slash a line drive and and work my way back and he has the foot you know he has the hand eye coordination he has the you know hands the the quickness of hands and the pitch recognition to to adjust there I think that is uh, really exceptional uh, I've and, said
1: this before but I think Julio is the best player I've ever seen at making in at bat adjustments like oh you threw this to me oh okay and then he steps out he walks around a little he thinks about it sometimes he laughs if the pitcher Mm -hmm. beats him he's like oh you got me good that time Mm -hmm. and then he adjusts and he makes a plan and it's really i mean it's really fun to watch him take at bats yeah i I wanted to say like i don't i don't (laughs) feel like comparing Julio to those players because they're different players. Like Brendan Davis is toolsier. And I think Riley Green too, like they're different players. Julio is toolsy, but that one tool, the power tool is just so loud. And it's like, that's his composition. And, you know, it's kind of comparing apples and oranges to me. Like, I just think it's, how does the player fit the team right now? Detroit needs some offense. So, yeah, like they should be promoting Green. Like, I don't know what the Cubs are doing, honestly. I maybe they're going to try to be competitive and bring Davis up and build a team around him. I have no idea. It's it, it, they're a mess. Uh, I would trade him personally and get just a, a King's ransom.
2: You trade Brennan Davis?
1: Train him and get, like, a bunch of, get a ton of, like, top-level guys from some deep system and build it. Like, all their big guys are several years away. It's really only Brennan Davis, and they have no pitching. So you can spend a bunch of money and make the team good now for Brennan Davis and still probably be lacking in pitching. Or you can reload and just be ready, build a continually, like producing farm system that will actually give you a dynasty instead of like this little weak sad dynasty that they had non-dynasty one world series and no playoffs so
2: well i don't i don't i think that was that was a mistake by theo epstein i I don't know if uh i don't know if their farm system in 2014 anyways i don't think their farm system in 2014 was in a position to think that it was going to be some small flash in the pan. I think Theo just ran them into the ground with how he went out and acquired talent and how he approached no. contract extensions.
1: Well, it was similar to like what DePoto did while he was trying to build a contender here. Right. It he was just like got the farm system, et cetera.
0: Well, um, and, I mean, part of it also though, is like if Jose Quintana had been right. good, sure. then yes, trading Eloy Jimenez, Stings, but you probably are looking at another World Series, right? Yeah, at least appearance, right? You know, or or something, some really
1: bad luck. They had some stuff just not work out, which again, I have no sympathy for because the Mariners are the kings of having stuff not work out, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean,
0: Hayward, Hayward completely not, you know. Main, being able to maintain his power, like yep. they, that, was know, really they,
1: sad. Jason Hayward makes me sad. I don't want yeah, to talk about a, this anymore. Let's mind. get back Anyways. to talking about how people fit their team. Uh, before I'm, I'm, I'm going to have we, to change my home address because I don't want Cubs fans to find me for suggesting trading Brendan Davis. But anyway, um, Julio fits the team now. He fits like their their window. So yeah, I mean, I I just I don't. I don't care to compare him to anyone. It's just like, how does he fit this team and impact this team? And I think he's a talent that is unlike anything Seattle fans are going to have seen in the past. I mean, I got to roll it back to like rod No, 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 no. <laughs> oh. I got to. I got to. I don't. I mean, Ichiro, it's a different skill set. I think just as far as that excitement, Julio does not have Arod's defense. Um, so he's not going to be like compelling you on both sides of the ball in the same way. I don't think, but it, it, he's going to be must watch at bats and he's going to be exciting in a way that just, we haven't seen in a long time. Cause we have not had that homegrown prospect. Who's a superstar come up through the system. No pressure, Julio. No pressure. He's
2: going to wear 44. I think he's probably going to wear 44, right? He's not actually going to wear number three. That was I mean, a troll.
1: Crawford has three, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: Crawford won't give that up. I mean, nor Thank God, he I'm have not to. doing
2: a three Rodriguez jersey.
1: <laughs> no, I think he'll probably wear 44, but it is a little high. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe he picks another number. I wonder yeah. if Jared takes 15 when Suyer is gone. Wasn't
2: Jared always 10? He was 10 at Double A AA and Triple A
0: because he's the main goal scorer. Uh, He was
1: 15. (laughs) He was 15 for a while. He was 15 and something. Because
2: I think I, I saw an interview with Jared where he said, what the hell was Eddie Rosario just doing? I'm sorry. Um, I saw an interview with,
1: because a fan suggested it.
2: No, because his dad used to wear it. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. He, he was another number that was taken. And then when he, when he started his second year, 2019, with the Mariners, uh, that number was taken and he asked his dad what number he wore. And it was number 10. And so he's like, all right, I'll take 10. And he's worn 10 for three years. So I, I think he's going to keep 10. Uh, there's a bunch of Mariners fans already that have number 10. I,
1: right. No, I think he's locked into 10 probably. Yeah, it's now. a good number. 10 is a very solid number. So I don't know. I don't know if Julio wants to like slide down, but I think 44 has a, has a power. 44 is cool. And I'm sure he can like work it into his JR logo somehow.
0: Um, Is there anyone that we need to touch on, on this triple a roster or can we, can we hop to the AFL?
1: No, um, gosh, I do not want to talk
0: about Yeah, yes. sorry, sorry. You know, I mean, it really just was. It was a very solid team made up of a lot of veteran players, uh, and you know, a lot of fringier folks, and that's nice. It is good because it's better to watch than uh, just a bad, a bad bunch of veterans. But uh, you know, we saw the best of these players in the majors for a little. Ideally,
1: bit. next year the Tacoma Rainiers are like. LJ Newsom and Nick Marjevicus
0: and Margavichus, oh,
1: Margavichus, dang it, Margavichus, uh, and like the guys who are yeah.
0: who, so. I mean Williamson and Kirby and uh, McCacken. You know, McCacken You know, it's going to be a mix of the like immediate depth people and the like top level talent because I think AAA is going to be a little bit better, you I know, in terms so. of. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, it was a lot of people who, like, were quad A-ish players this year, so it was still, like, a decent level of talent, but it was a weird version. Like, yeah. there were so many bullpen starts that it was just, it was a little confusing um, to, to to appraise. So I think this will be hopefully better. Um, for the uh, AFL, the Mariners are sending seven players. Uh, we've got one taxi squad, right? One. Uh, it's six.
1: It's six, and then a taxi squad player.
0: Well, I don't know which one's a taxi squad player. I know it's seven players, and then, I know who the taxi squad player is. Hold on. Uh, well, I'll read off the names while you look that up. So we have for position players three position players. It's outfielder Cade Marlowe, who we've talked about plenty. Outfielder Zach Deloach, who is kind of like a more prestigious. Cade Marlowe um, <laughs> and uh, infielder Jose Caballero um, who is missed most of this year with injury, uh, but came back and was doing all right in uh double a, I believe. This
1: will be his second straight year in um, the Arizona uh, That's He also yeah. was in it in 2019.
0: That's true. Um, he, if you have any recollection was the return from the Diamondbacks for Mike Leake. Um so not really a notable prospect, but you know, still a young infielder in a system without many young infielders. So uh something there. Uh and then on the pitching side, 110, uh, who I think has to be there both for a reset and also trade bait, I yeah. think, in a major way. I also think that about Deloach and Marlowe, if I'm being honest. Um and then a, th- a trio of pretty much certainly relievers. Uh, Devin Sweet, from who spent most of the year in Arkansas, or maybe all of the year in Arkansas, uh, as well as Luis Corvello, who started uh, the season in Modesto and was excellent and moved up to uh, Everett near the end. And Dyson Arias, who uh, I think actually was um, film, a pretty... Yeah, um, pretty decent split there, um, but all of whom uh, pretty solid. No, didn't quite get to Tacoma, but 20, 20 innings in Everett where he was great, 20 innings in um, Arkansas, similarly okay. good. Um, striking Struck out a ton of people, a little bit wild. But, um, yeah, so, you know, essentially some, some bullpen depth and uh, some of their lesser – Prospects on the outfield side, um, which is sounds disparaging, but it is more just meant of they sent Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick last time. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit less of a less prestigious group this round. Uh, pretty sure it's
1: it, Caballero who's the taxi squad player. I
0: that think would make sense. I mean, yeah, yeah he's you he can play every infield spot, so would would certainly make sense.
1: Well, taxi squad is just it's to limit like you can only play a certain number of games. It's not mm-hmm. like a like reserves or anything. It's I don't know. I think an extra a way to get extra players on. Like Rizzo was a taxi squad player when yeah. he was
0: there. Right. I just I think it's like it's often people who can play multiple positions so that they can stick in at any spot, right? And Yeah, not, if
1: somebody yeah. gets hurt and has to go.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, none of these folks are top notch. Obviously I think Deloach is probably the most prestigious prospect or 10, depending on, you know, if you're still high on him. But, uh, do you guys share my sentiment that almost all of these guys are there, Showcasing for showcasing. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of what the AFL is, is that you're sending players, one, for developmental reasons, to play against top-level talent, but also two, it's the best place to go to scout um for teams. And I know it's a little less, you know, essential now that we have as much data as we have, but I think it's still really, really valuable, especially because executives can come in and see players that they might not otherwise have reason to go see during the year.
1: Right. If you're wondering about like where the top level people are right now, it's high performance camp time. So like
0: there's uh, the top prospects, you mean.
1: Yeah. Harry mm-hmm. Ford is headed there. Um Jonathan Classe, Julio is headed to Arizona right now. I assume probably at some point Noel V Marte, Alberto Rodriguez is on his way to Arizona. So they're going to do like just the high performance camp slash gas camp type workouts, which will be before the Arizona Fall League starts, uh, starts at the end of October. Is that right? That sounds right. Anyway, that's the development. That's the development that like if you're kind of thinking about where these blue chip guys, why aren't they in the AFL? That's where they are right now. It's interesting, though, like a lot of other teams opted to send. I mean, some of them sent guys who are in the majors to the fall league, like Hans Krauss, who used to be a Rangers prospect and is now a Phillies prospect. Right. Didn't he get to same you this year? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah Lars Newbar. very weirdly. Yeah. Uh, somebody who got a lot of reps with the Cardinals.
0: It was um, on their playoff roster. <laughs> uh-huh. Was in,
2: played in their wild card. He was game, on deck when they got eliminated. Oh, was Do he not? Well, yeah. I
1: mean, so, yeah, ways to get, there are, there are other teams that are sending top prospects there. Like, just on the Peoria roster, uh Shea Langliers for the Braves. Catcher, who was, like, a top first-round draft pick two years yeah,
2: ago. He was, like, the 19th pick, I think. Uh
1: Carmen Mojinski. Majinski. Nice, Pirate Kate, prospect, you still got it. I do because building a magistery. I had to write up his comment because I did the Pirates' comments in the Baseball Prospectus Annual a couple of years ago. Um, he's a—I mean, he was somebody I wanted to maybe draft in that in that. I guess we wound up with Hancock. So, can't no, be you wanted him. That.
2: You wanted him in the comp round.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I did want him in the comp round, but he went a little bit higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some, we are definitely sending, I think, kind of the lower octane prospects of the group. Definitely not the guys who are going to be grabbing the headlines this year, but it'll be, it'll lot, just be great to have the Arizona Fall League back. A lot of that has to do
2: with innings limits too. Like they don't want to throw yeah. Hancock. They don't want to throw Kirby, Williamson. I they thought all, there
1: was a chance they might send Sam Carlson, but he was such a workhorse that.
2: Yeah, a hundred innings after nothing for three years. Yeah, I think they Probably backed him off. Let him it go.
1: sucks because he would have been a great prospect. Maybe he'll go next year if he's still around.
2: Possibly. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's not too much to talk about with the AFL roster, except I would be stunned if all of these players are still Mariners in March. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh,
1: I do think that we are using it a little more, as like John said, as as some trade bait, some danglings, mm-hmm. um, and then the ones I'm most excited to see are actually two relievers, uh, Dice and Arias, and Cervello. Cervello we've talked about a little bit. Um, Arias we've talked about a little bit, but specifically both of them have kind of big stuff, like some command issues, um, not a lot of time pitching against higher level. Arias did get the bumped to double A. Curvello, I don't think uh, even made it to high A. I think he was just in A all year. Uh, I think he got
2: in like three innings at Everett. Did he? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Not a lot of time pitching. No time pitching at the upper minors, and not a lot of time, even at uh, the advanced A level. So good opportunity for both of them to kind of refine their stuff against uh, more selective, tougher, higher level hitters. And it's going to be, I think, given the prospects who are coming, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the pitchers.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of this type of pitcher, I think, across it. And the AFL is always offense heavy because they're playing in spring training stadiums in Arizona, but Who man, it's going to be a lot lot of of
1: pitchers who mostly have had either have Mm -hmm. had a significant workload that year Mm -hmm. are fringier people to begin with, where the team isn't concerned about blowing up their arms Mm -hmm. or are coming back from some kind of injury or just some crazy ineffectiveness, like whatever hole Mackenzie Gore fell into this year.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Mackenzie Gore is going to be there. Like, that's the side of the thing where it's like, yeah, he's. Better than a lot of these people, probably, but it's also kind of a mess. So who knows? Mackenzie
1: Gore, Aza Lacey, Jackson Rutledge, um, Zach Thompson from the Cardinals. A lot of, I mean, there's some, there's, there's some, there's some pitcher, there's some serious names for the pitchers. Yeah. But there are a lot of a lot of really interesting. Again, not none that we're sending, but Jeter Downs from the Red Sox. Uh, who else? CJ Abrams, Abrams, Nick Gonzalez, who I really liked. Hunter Bishop, brother of Braden, who missed a lot of this year being hurt. Uh, Patrick Bailey, who I think is there as trade bait again because the Giants. I I did not understand them drafting him to begin with because. Why do they need another catcher? They have Joey Bart. So, well, a lot of a lot of storylines to follow, and you know, potential potential trade targets from the Mariners too. mm -hmm. Not just bait, but maybe also switch.
0: That's true. (laughs) We could. uh, I'm I'm excited to see your uh, sort of reports and and hopefully some video from you, Kate. Uh, yes, I will
1: be there in the 9th to the 16th.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I have to run. So I know we were going to get into Joe's uh list here a little bit. Uh if you are both amenable, I think we can potentially dig a little deeper on that uh next recording. Yes. Um but That's great. Uh, That's I a have good call. to head and uh, head out and help uh, <laughs> Some youths. So uh hate the youths. Yeah. Um Um, what we can also
1: we did get a question a while ago about potential trade tar or uh draft targets for 2021. People are already thinking about that, which I love. We are not quite in that headspace yet. I know Joe is the primary driver of that. Joe, um, I know you haven't really you're starting to dig in with some of that stuff, but we haven't really started. Uh, seriously at, investigating that yet, right?
2: Yeah, not at, not at Lookout Landing. We haven't. Um, if you want kind of a... We've released a top 150 prospects over at Prospects Live, and we'll be diving in a little bit deeper. But if you want kind of a, like a bird's-eye view of every prospect, like, you know, six to eight sentences about what they bring to the table, you can find the top 150 over there. But uh, we'll start diving into the draft at Lookout Landing uh, probably a month and a half to two months from now when we come around to the new year.
1: All right. So if you need to quench your appetite for 2022 MLB draft talk, you can find that at Prospects Live and keep your eye on the site. We'll be coming back with those weekly installments of uh, draft target write-ups coming this off season.
2: Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Probably after we're done with like the Arizona Fall League and yeah, get you know, through the, the season, get through the Rule
0: Five stuff and
1: the Rule Five, yeah. So looking at like ish
0: mm-hmm. Well, a lot to a lot to look forward to, and uh, I am excited to hopefully have uh, a wide array of prospect news to to cover and bring to y'all uh this winter i think
1: we're gonna have some trades to talk about some, so we're gonna have
0: some trades we might That'll have some exciting. extensions we might have some uh some significant performances or or uh shifts in rules and we will also have the um international amateur signing uh well, yes. period yes. which was now now a midwinter thing instead of a mid season thing so lots to look forward to on that front thank you everyone for listening uh we will bring that on to you with uh, detail and the level of seriousness you've come to know and appreciate (laughs)
1: level of consummate professionalism (laughs) from the only podcast where we make fart noises and talk (laughs)
0: about snail (laughs) obliteration
1: obliteration.
0: all right Uh, (laughs) until (laughs) (laughs) until next time
1: bye